if it's perfect on day one, you short it too late. And mm-hmm. so I knew that, you know, I didn't, I knew that I would not, I would look back and question what I had done, but I knew I needed to start because it was from those mistakes and those errors that I would learn. And, you know, and I, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in making mistakes because the lessons you gain from making an error, just, they just resonate so hard. Welcome to Business with Purpose. I'm your host, Molly Stillman of Still Being Molly, and this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who's trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Fasayo Che. She is a mother of three and the founder of apparel brand, Elisa Mama. Fasayo established the brand after a long search for quality kids clothing that was not only fun and functional, but also reflects a bold use of color emblematic of Fasayo's Nigerian roots. The Elisa Mama brand's joyful, easy to wear and stylish clothing is made with African-inspired wax print fabrics. Every piece is handmade in Nigeria by a team of local artisans. While the core business of Elisa Mama is providing quality clothing that promotes joy, the heart of the business mission is to provide jobs and skills training for Nigerian artisans with the purpose of providing them a pathway toward economic empowerment and improved quality of life. I had so much fun chatting with Fasayo. She's just one of those people that the moment you start talking with her, you immediately feel like you know her. You've just known her your whole life. And I love her mission. Her brand is incredible. She's just she's just an incredible person. And so I know that you are going to absolutely love this conversation. But before I get to my chat with Fasayo, I want to thank one of our partners of the show, and that's Mama Suds. As you know, we are in the depths of spring, which means it is time for your spring clean refresh. So let's get that home sparkling the safe way with Mama Suds. Now, Castile soap is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite things that Mama Suds has. And because it is the superhero of soaps, it really does it all from the windows to the walls. It is truly the only soap that you need. So what can you do with Mama Suds Castile Soap? Well, you can clean the floors, scrub the counters, bathtubs, tile, clean the baseboards, the windows, the blinds. You can even use it to clean the carpets or make your own foaming hand soap. There's nothing that this soap can't do. So grab a gallon of Mama Suds Castile Soap and start tackling all of your spring cleaning to-dos at mamasuds.com and use the code MOLLY for 15% off your order. Now on to my conversation with Fasayo Che. Fasayo, I am so excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you, Molly. I'm excited to be here. This is a long time coming. We connected many, many, many months ago. And so I'm so, I I mean, I am always of the mindset that God works out the timing when he wants it to happen. And the fact that this is airing a couple days after after your birthday, I'm just like, well... Perfection. It's just perfect. It's just perfect. So I, I want to just dive right in and have you give us the Fasaya 101. So tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today. All righty. So my name is Fasaya Che. I am a wife, mother of three little ones. I have a nine-year-old son, a seven-year-old son, and my baby girl, Elisa, who is four. I, um, I am the founder and chief experience officer of Elisa Mama. 
uh, Elisamama is my brand that is founded with the commitment to promote joy and to make a difference. Mm. So what do we do? We um, produce and we design and we produce really fun, vibrant, exciting, joyful clothing using African-inspired um, prints. All our items are handmade in Nigeria by local artisans in our little Elisamama workshop. And really the purpose behind what we do is really ultimately to provide an opportunity, economic opportunities for our artisans. You know, Nigeria is a place where you have talent, where talent abounds. There are lots of people who are really talented, who are really hardworking, who are really committed to, to work in. But unfortunately, due to their geography, they don't have the opportunities that they need. And so for me, Elisa Mama is my way of trying to sort of solve that problem mm. for them and by creating jobs. And also, too, to give parents and folks out here and all the mamas out here an opportunity to experience these really fun, beautiful, one-of-a-kind clothes that I love and most people seem to love as well. Yeah. So that's the Elisa Mama story. I think your clothing is absolutely beautiful. Um, and Thank I you. personally, I mean, I realize that I am a little bit biased that I love the African inspired print so much just from my uh, regular trips to Kenya and all the beautiful Katenge fabrics and the colors. Mm -hmm. And I, they're, they're just beautiful. And there's just, you can't see, you can't find anything else <laughs> like that out there. Um, but I want to go, I want to obviously get into why you decided to start this brand, but go back a little bit. And so, yes. you know, you, you are just, you're just so vibrant. You're so full of joy. Where does that all come from? I, you know, when I meet somebody like you who just has this incredible infectious smile, you just have this joy that radiates from within. Where does that all come from? You know, there's a saying that Nigerians are the happiest people. Like, I don't know if that's true, but, you know, that's word on the streets. And, <laughs> and, I, and I think that growing up, you know, in Nigeria, at least for a good number of years, I think that's a part of it. Because yeah. the truth is, when you've seen all like elements of life. You've seen struggles. You've seen um, people who are going through really hard times. The truth is you start to, you don't take life as seriously anymore. You start to have a deeper appreciation for what you have. And so for me right now, I'm so thankful for my life. I'm thankful for the ability to be alive and thankful for to have an accommodation, having a, a family, a warm home. Everything just feels just more intense mm. because I know what it's, I, I personally have not, I've been fortunate enough to have been shielded from having direct having those experiences directly but i've seen people have those experiences and so for me it's i just really want to really like save our life and i just don't want to take life too seriously i try not to and i just try to find joys in all the little things i love that you said that nigerians are the happiest people and i have to say i have some dear friends who are nigerian and they are some of the happiest people they're like Alrighty. i just am like do you ever have anything like anything <laughs> negative to say ever i mean i'm really thankful that you don't cuz you know you're around those people sometimes who just like there's just always something negative going on and my nigerian friends are Never like that. No, no, yeah, you would think. I mean, as as challenging and tough as things are, or could be for some people in Nigeria, yeah. you would every single weekend. I bet you, you would see like everyone's having a party, everyone's <laughs> celebrating something. It does not matter what's in the bank account; they're just happy and joyful and getting together. It. So yeah, I love it. <laughs> so when did you move to the United States, and what was that transition like for you, going from growing up in a Nigerian culture and transitioning to obviously a you know a very different culture here in the U.S. You know, so 
I've had a pretty geographically diverse life, actually. I was actually born in Europe. Oh, and, wow. Um, yeah. And I spent a few years when I was a teenager in Europe again before finally moving to um, to the U.S. Wow. But even while I was in Nigeria, I had visited the, you know, New York yeah. once. And so it was not so much of a, you know, a huge shock for yeah. me. I mean, there was still some cultural shock in the sense of, you know, for instance, like in Nigeria, like you would never like call an adult, like an adult who's older than you, like by their names. It was very hard for me. And so that's yeah. little, little like cultural things like that were more of the, the things that were more jarring. But for the most part, because my life was relatively, like I said, geographically diverse, I had traveled and been seeing different cultures. Yeah. It was not so much of a huge, significant shock when I came to the U.S. Wow, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't mean to just assume that you came from uh, no, Nigeria I mean, to here, but that's a, what an incredible experience growing up, having lived all over. Is there anything now in adulthood that you look back on having this geographically diverse kind of childhood and, and growing up years that has helped your perspective as an adult? Because I think back, like even on my own childhood and things I, I experienced as a kid that have shaped me as an adult. What was your kind of upbringing like moving all around that has impacted your, your you know, kind of just your way of thinking? No, I, that's it's a really good question. For me, I think the fact that I've had a chance to see life in different facets, I've had a chance to experience different cultures, you know, meet different people. I think it gives me a certain level of open-mindedness yeah. that maybe one might not have if one was just like in one particular, you know, culture. And so, like I always say, like if I if I were if I were to come back, I think I would come back as a little Asian woman because, like, you know, <laughs> I mean, I've never even been to Asia, but. Yeah, that, like that culture seems appealing. And so yeah. I'm always very open to people and to what they bring and to their differences. And I really find joy and appreciation in the differences in our culture, in our backgrounds, in our upbringings. So yeah. I think that's from living in different countries. Yeah. And so obviously, fast forward, you uh, got married, you became a mama, and you had your two older sons, and then you had a little girl. And yeah. as a mom to both a little girl and a son, there is a, it's my my daughter is always like, do you love, you know, my brother more than me? And I'm just like, no, <laughs> my relationships with you guys are just different. different. You know, a mama and her son is just a different relationship than a mama and a daughter. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously like when you have, when you become a mom and you have these little children that you are suddenly tasked with keeping alive and <laughs> caring for exactly. and growing and nurturing and leading, there's so many things that we have to think about as, as parents. And obviously for you, when you had your little girl, one of the things I know about you is that you had a hard time finding stylish quality beautifully made kids clothing. And so where did the idea for Elisa Mama begin? All right. So, you know, people sometimes have the misconception that because I'm doing Elisa Mama that I, you know, have had like a deep love for fashion. The truth is that's not the case. <laughs> From, yeah. Fashion for me is more about the utility. Yeah. You know, I just see fashion as just something that supports my goals. Okay. I need to get someplace. I need to do this. What can I wear that would complement what it is I need to get done? Or I want to feel a certain way. Like today I wanted to feel colorful. Okay. Here we go. You know, so, <laughs> so for me, that's really the, the, the main, the core of my relationship with, with fashion. Um, however, you know, when, after having two boys and I finally got a girl, 
I needed it like I needed to get it all out. Yeah. Okay. I needed to get, <laughs> I needed to get it all out. And so, you know, yes, like you said, I was a little bit, you know, the, the truth is I know there's been a huge shift to the beiges and the, the, the neutrals in the last few years. And while that's, you know, that has its place and I do have some appreciation for that, I wanted more. I wanted more. I wanted just more, just more, more personality. Yeah. And so how does Elisa Mama come in? Going back to my background. So I grew up under the shadow of parents who made their lives work to empower people. And so my dad was a big advocate for the, with the, uh, the quote, teach a man to fish versus giving a man fish. Mm. And so that's what I saw growing up. You know, we had, you know, family, our house was a really revolving door of family members and sometimes strangers who would just, you know, come through and my parents would ensure they have an education or are put on the pathway to get some kind of skills training. Mm. And then that's all I saw and knew growing up. However, you know, after I left Nigeria, I would say that ex- those experiences did not really inform what I did in my life. From that point on, I just kind of, you know, did my regular thing. I wanted to just have a normal nuclear family life, maybe trying to get away from, <laughs> from that experience growing up. Um, got into a corporate job, which I'm still in, actually. We can talk about that later on. Got a corporate job and um, was living my life. It was not until 2018 when I would say the scale sort of fell from my eyes. Mm. You know, prior to 2018, I'd been visiting Nigeria. I'd gone a few times. Every couple of years, I would go to Nigeria. But for some reason, something happened during that trip in 2018 where for the first time, I saw myself not really just like looking at people, but really seeing them, just really seeing them and realizing that, oh my goodness, at the end of the day, we're all the same we're all the same. Remove geography, remove opportunity. We're all the same people who are looking and desperate for um, independence, whether it's financial, whether it's physical, or who desire love, who desire opportunity. And I see these ladies, the seamstresses who I had been you know, working with at that time, who had contracted to make clothes for Lisa. I, I see them and, I, and my heart just breaks because I see how hardworking they are. I see how talented they are, but yet simply because of their geography, simply because of perhaps maybe the family they were born into, but it's simply because of the lack of opportunity, their lives were significantly different from mine. Yeah. You know? And so I just thought, what can I do? How can I be a vessel? to make a difference for these people? What can I do to at least just make their life just a little bit better? And in that point, I was also thinking about these beautiful clothes that I had, I had made for Lisa. And I thought, there are probably parents like myself who also could find value in these items. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I thought, wow, maybe I could do a little something here where I could be a little conduit to get their yeah. the work of these seamstresses to a, a, a global audience. And you know, that's largely how the idea you know, it was almost like a very naive thing, to be honest, because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. But I thought, <laughs> okay, let's sell. Even if, it's, if all we sold was one item, that's one more, you know, additional source of income for yeah. them than they would have had. And so I set the bar really low. I just wanted to sell just a couple of, you know, dresses or jumpsuits. And here we are today. Wow. You know, you brought up a point that I have regular listeners of this podcast will know probably exactly the quote that I'm going to use, but it's a quote by 
I believe her name is Layla Jana. And I love she, her. Yes. And so she she has a very famous quote that says, talent is equally distributed. Opportunity is not. No. And exactly. that's exactly what you're talking about. And this is something that I feel like while I have brought this up <laughs> probably 240 times on this podcast, <laughs> I think it can't be repeated enough because it's something we have to continue to remind ourselves. And I love the way you said that you looked at people, but for the first time you really saw them. And that's such a beautiful picture of humanity. And, you know, again, when you strip away geography and socioeconomic status and all these things, by saying we are all the same, you know, we're all one humanity. And yes, we have these beautiful, um, there's this beautiful diversity of race and ethnicities and cultures and, you know, uh, just communities and, and faith. And there's just, it's beautiful tapestry of creation. Mm -hmm. And it adds so much color and vibrancy in the world. I mean, I, think all the time, like, what if everybody in the world just was like the same skin color and the same, like, et, et, you know, <laughs> ethnicity and the same cult? Like, how boring would this world be? We wouldn't have. I mean, personally, I love, love, love Mexican food. I love Asian food. I love, uh, you know, Ethiopian food and all these different mm -hmm. foods and cultures, uh, music, language. Like if we didn't have this beautiful diversity, gosh, what a boring world this would be. I mean, seriously. Mm -hmm. um, but by acknowledging our similarities and our differences, by acknowledging the fact that we are all talented. Everybody has Absolutely. a talent. Everyone was given a God-given talent. It doesn't matter whether you were born in the Hollywood Hills in LA or <laughs> in, you know, the poorest slum in West Africa. It doesn't matter if you were born in the jungles of the Amazon, you know, or it's like there are talent is equally distributed, but the reality is, is that opportunity is not. And so for you to kind of begin to see that and acknowledge that and think, okay, what can I do? What impact can I have? And that's the question that I really encourage people who listen to this show or, or people I have conversations with, that's the question I just really want people to ask themselves. And sometimes the answer is, you know what, I'm going to start a business. <laughs> sometimes the answer is, you know what, I'm going to support a business. Maybe sometimes the answer is I'm going to help fund this business. Or maybe it's donating to a nonprofit that you care about. We can all do something Absolutely. Where we are, we can all contribute in some way towards the equal distribution of opportunity. And so once you started Elisa Mama, you're, you began to go down this road. What were the first steps? Because I know for you, you know, you weren't necessarily a fashion designer or an entrepreneur. What were the first steps you took when you were like, okay, I think I want to do this? Okay. So don't judge me. Oh, never. <laughs> There is zero judgment. We're, we're calling this the safe zone. There is zero judgment okay, here at all. Wonderful. <laughs> we can all so make it mistakes. It was definitely a lot, a, lot, a lot of figuring out. And so <laughs> my first thing was, okay, let me assemble, you know, a team in Nigeria. Let's, let's, you know, bring some of these women that I'd already met, you know, have them share my idea with them and say, okay, I want to do this thing. Let's, let's work together. But also I have to make it very clear. So for me, from the start, 
while I was incredibly committed to the mission and the social benefit aspect of Elisa Mama, I knew from very early on that the only way we can be successful, because I was very committed that this was going to be a business. Like I did not want it to be charity. Yeah. I was yeah. very committed to having this be self-sustainable. Yeah. Right. I wanted it whereby regardless of our story, our customer would have appreciation and find value in the product in and of themselves. And so I knew that in order, the only way that I could meet all my goals, my social goals was that I had, you know, a business that was viable. And that could stand on its own two feet. And so, but one of the, so while I was assembling my team, started to do some sampling, I noticed very early on that quality was really not something that was a priority in the sewing world in Nigeria. That was something that many people were not, they'd never had prior experience in having to really make the garments just really neat for your threads and things like that. And so that ended up being one of our biggest struggles early on was really able finding a team that was not only willing to work, but also malleable enough to provide the quality standards that I felt would put Elisa Mama in the best place with providing value for our customers. Mm-hmm. And so, so that was happening in Nigeria. But then over here, you know, I started doing all the, the business things. Um, of course, the, 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 the name, the logo and, and all that. And initially sort of selling out of Etsy. So I thought, okay, this is an easy, low cost of entry yeah. way to start this thing. So we're doing that. And, um, you know, we got our first, um, our first collection a few months after the idea started. Of course, then looking back, it's like, what were we thinking? But obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Every <laughs> entrepreneur <laughs> says that. Every single one. <laughs> It's true. And, but you know, one thing that I, I, that anchored me was the saying that if it's perfect on day one, you started too late. And Mm. so I knew that, you know, I didn't, I knew that I would not, I would look back and question what I had done, but I knew I needed to start because it was from those mistakes and those errors that I would learn. And, you know, and I, I'm I'm a big believer in, in making mistakes because the lessons you gain from making an error just, they just resonate so hard. And so, so we just really started doing Etsy's, um, selling on Etsy. We were doing local, local, um, mark. I would go to local markets and you know, try to sell some of the mama clothes. And over time, our, um, business grew from just, you know, having one or two seamstresses to realizing that we needed to establish our own workshop. And so now we have our established Lisa Mama workshop yeah. with 15 seamstresses. Awesome. And um, we have some other, you know, like a operational manager who does some of the QC things for us as well. And, you know, we, we keep growing and we're very optimistic about um, what our, the future holds for us. Okay. That quote, if it's perfect on day one, you started too late. Like that needs to be on a bumper sticker, a t-shirt, <laughs> like... Oh my gosh, that's so good. Yes. I and that is something that I hear over and over again from from different entrepreneurs who are kind of speaking into the life of people who want to start a business. And I mean, I just think all the time about people that I I know who are, you know, successful in the entrepreneurial space or just have experience and like all of them are just like just start. Just start. You have to just do it. And you're going to make mistakes. You're going to, I mean, I look back even in my own, I mean, I've been in business for myself full-time since 2014, 2015, but I've been blogging and creating content since 2007, 2006. And I look back on some of that early content, like, oh, it was 
awful. <laughs> Cringeworthy. So, oh my gosh, my early podcast uh, art was bad. My early blog design was terrible. And I'm, oh man, it's like embarrassing when I think back. But I started and I learned and I made mistakes along the way. Once you got started and you realized Mm -hmm. this is a viable business, like I think that this is going to really go somewhere. What was the tipping point for you when you were like, okay, this we're going to sell probably more than one dress? You know, for me, honestly, it was not so much about knowing that the business was viable, but more so feeling the responsibility of these lives that are relying, Mm -hmm. relying on this work. Yeah. So very early on, and as I saw the lives of my team members change, mm. I knew I had no choice. Mm. I had to make this work somewhere or the other. Yeah. Like there was no, there was no question. I mean, we had some very pretty low moments in the business. Mm. I mean, I couldn't even share with them because I was so, I was so protective yeah. of them because their future was so and their, I mean, we're not just talking about just jobs. We're talking about food on the table. We're talking about kids going to school. We're talking about just just life, period. And that responsibility, realizing that responsibility for me was the tipping point where I knew we had to make this work. Mm. There was no way. There was no way it had to work somehow. You really began to see the bigger picture. That's a really powerful kind of moment when you when you realize like, oh, this is this is something that's impacting lives. Yeah, and I couldn't go back to them and tell them like, oh, sorry, guys, um, it's, it's over. Mm. Like just the, the thought of having that conversation. I mean, it still terrifies me, mm. you know, and so I cannot think of a more intense motivation to <laughs> to yeah. make this work and make this happen. than That. Yeah. And thankfully, the business is allowing us to yeah. not have to have that conversation, too. Yeah. So. Okay, friend, I'm going to take a quick break from my chat with Fasaya to thank our other partner of the show, and that is Demain. I'm always on the lookout for entrepreneurs and companies that are changing lives and making a positive impact in the world. I found the story of Demain particularly interesting, and I want to share it with you. See, Demain was founded in Haiti by a woman named Julie in 2010. Now, in French, Demain means two hands. The name was inspired by the fact that everything created is made by trained artisans who use their two hands to make their life better while crafting beautiful products. Julie set up an educational program to train people with artisan skills and then went on to build a factory that operates on 100% solar energy. Isn't that amazing? Dermat now employs more than 40 artisans that handcraft premium leather goods, jewelry, and sandals. Their lives are forever changed by their craft. And what's also cool is their products incorporate this incredible eco-friendly twist working with responsibly sourced materials and repurposed inner tube and tires in their designs. I have a pair of Demat sandals and the footbed is made out of tires. It's so cool, but it just adds that really unique edge to it. And they're just incredible. You know, it's just a really good feeling to know that when you buy something from Demain, you're also making a positive impact in the world while adding an incredibly well-made piece to your wardrobe. You can discover their products online at Demain.com. That's D-E-U-X-M-A-I-N-S.com. That's Demain.com. Now back to my conversation with Fasayo Che. So when you started, and obviously you learned and had bumps along the way, how did you begin to develop your team in Nigeria? You know, how did you begin to hire on seamstresses and kind of who's managing the day to day over there? 
what did that process look like managing it from here in the US, but then having (laughs) obviously your Nigerian hub and team? Um, So I would say I'm um, technology has been one of our greatest blessings. You know, we we spend a lot of time. I, I every day I have you know daily touch points with my team where mm-hmm. we, we discuss our production plans and, and whatnot. But having like my my first my first staff is who is our league centrist. You know, she is incredibly clutch to and just a critical part of where we are in this business today. She was staff number one and her dedication to Elisa Mama from the very start, she, you know, the shadow that she shadow she casts on anybody else who has joined us has been incredible because this is a lady who incredibly committed, mm-hmm. incredibly detail oriented, incredibly hardworking. And she sees this as her business mm-hmm. too. And so that makes it incredibly makes it much easier for me, you know, being that I'm miles away or thousands of miles away from them, having her there. It's really been a great advantage for Lisa Mama. I also do have, a, you know, I have a manager on on site as well who just is responsible for more operational things, tracking metrics. Because obviously, you know, as a business, we have to make sure that our production um, numbers are looking right, and you know, yeah, like that, yeah. And so, have you know that that person, that role who tracks the metrics, but also does a quality check and just make sure that things are functioning the way they should be. Yeah. And um, really just the grace of God, truly, because mm. I know it's not, it's not really easy to be doing, you know, it's hard because yeah. what would do, I mean, if I, when I'm in Nigeria, the things we accomplish is just, is significant. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to be far away, but I think even with our limitations, we're still, um, we're, we're doing good. We're, yeah. we're getting by. Well, everything that you have developed is absolutely beautiful. And it, you. you know, when you said at the beginning that your your vision and your goal is to promote joy and make a difference and be, you know, vibrant and exciting, your brand just speaks that. I mean, from the moment you see these beautiful garments and these the colors and patterns, it does exactly that. It just emits joy and um, vibrancy. And so I just want to thank you for creating (laughs) this just beautiful brand. Um, Especially, like I said, as a mom to a little girl, like, you know, there's something about like, when you're a little girl, like you can wear these. I mean, as an adult, you can too, obviously. Oh, we are. We are. We are um, leaning more into the adult space. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the parents have demanded that they they have their um, they yes. have their, a piece of the Lisa Mama pie too, and so yes. we've actually um, we've been producing more adult garments, and we are going to be leaning a little more into that into that direction in, in for future collections. Awesome! So. Well, I am mm. here for that. I love it. Um, <laughs> it's just beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So, what is on the horizon for you? Over the next, you know, obviously you're a little over three years into business. What is, you know, how are you hoping? Not over three years. We're a little like over two years. Oh yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Cause it was in 2018 when you were starting it. So like late, late to like, I mean, who knows when we started? Yeah. <laughs> math, math is hard for me. <laughs> So, I can relate. you know, a little over two years into business, you've learned a lot in that time. What is kind of on the horizon for you? So I, I haven't shared. So currently we are selling out of Saks Fifth Avenue. Awesome. And uh, yes. And so we were picked up by Saks um, last fall, which has been a cre- you know incredible opportunity. And so for me, I'm hoping to pick up additional retail accounts. Um, you know, one of, like I've said earlier, my biggest thing is just ensuring that 
we keep this the ship afloat. We keep this going. Yeah. And so while our direct to customer business is really great and wonderful, and we get to connect with our customers, there is some level of um, stability of having those retail accounts. And yeah. so we have our eyes on Nordstroms working yes. to um, make <laughs> make that uh, make that pitch to them, and um, also other other um, boutique retailers who might find you know value in, in our products. And so that's what I am. We have on the horizon. Yes. Well, that is amazing. And I am 100% behind you. I just cannot wait to see when you are in Nordstrom and when you have a uh, Elisa Mama by Target collection. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm just gonna like speak it all into existence. <laughs> Please, let's let's no. This is really important. No, let's speak it. It's 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 really it's really crucial. You know, because for me. And I know you, you said you have experience going to Kenya. The reality is, you know, there's not a lot of people who are going to do investment or work in Nigeria. The truth is, when you hear people investing in Africa or any sort of social enterprises, where do they go? It's typically like Eastern Africa, Southern yeah. Africa. Yeah. Very rarely do you have people going to to Nigeria. Yeah. And the truth is, Nigeria is like the most populous country yeah. in in Africa, we have people yes. and we have, we have a lot of people yeah. and sad, sadly, you know, more than half the population are either impoverished or, or mm. unemployed or underemployed yet talent abounds, mm. you know, passion abounds. And so for me, just to be able to, to do this and in my own little way of trying to create the Nigeria that I would like to see and to give these people who are so incredibly deserving, just an opportunity. It's crucial for me. And so, yeah, have to make this work somehow. Yeah, no, that's a really, really important point. Yeah. I mean, Nigeria is an incredible, incredible country. And by continuing to um, just invest back into some of the most talented and incredible artisans in Nigeria, you're making a difference. You're making a huge difference. And I love to see it. I love to see it. And I love to see um, the growth and uh, and you just continuing to pour in to this just Im- incredible country in, in the way that you can. And um, like I said, just advocating for all of us doing our part and encouraging others to find what is the thing that they can do? What is the thing that absolutely how can they Absol- also pour in? Yes, Absolutely. And it's, you know, a lot of times, I think we sometimes get the notion, even I did, where you have to be a certain sort of character to do a work like this. You have to yeah. be certain, you have to be noble, you have mm. to be um, upright and, and humble. Like, yeah. I'm not humble. I'm very prideful. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this, this, you can do this sort of work and, and you can be anybody. And the other piece too that I also want to emphasize, because it's also come to the forefront of my thinking is the fact that sometimes we think that it's counterintuitive yeah. to have a purpose-filled business. So you feel like it's counter business sense to have a purpose-driven um, business or have a social cause associated with your business. Yeah. The truth is nothing motivates me more, like I said earlier, than knowing that there are lives behind this business and there are mm. lives that are relying on this business. And so what does that do for me? It motivates me to be super incredible steward of this work. I have to make sure this works. I have to make sure that our products are top-notch, whereby, like I said, you would love it whether or not you know the story. Yeah. You're getting great yes. quality products. Yes. And if it was just me, if it was just about the bottom line, like I'm financially okay, I'm not really, I'm not struggling in in that way. And so I can see myself more likely just more 
thinking, oh, well, you know, it's not, it's not working out. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's cut this. But the, that motivation, it's really empowering and it really drives and gives the heart and the passion behind the business. Yeah. And I'm thankful for that, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, Fasayo, you are awesome. <laughs> you are just an incredible, incredible, incredible woman. Um, okay. Before we go, I'm going to transition just a little bit to ask some fun get to know you questions. So I hope that you are ready for the get to know you round. (laughs) We'll find out. All right. (laughs) Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Okay. Um, What is something that I would never guess about you? I wrestled in high school. What? (laughs) Okay. That is a great. I take you, Molly. I can take you. That's a fantastic (laughs) answer. And I need to know more details. I couldn't run. Um, I couldn't really. Um, so track was out of it for me. I'm kind of short, so basketball was out out of it for me. And so my options were pretty slim. <laughs> and so wrestling became the thing. I would say, true disclosure, I probably won only one of my matches. So, <laughs> but it was cool. We had the whole, you know, the whole. It was like mat wrestling. Yeah. So the, the, the leotards and like the, <laughs> the wrestling. Stand. Were you the only like? Is, was it a girls wrestling team or were you like it on was, the guys? It was we had oh, girls and guys. So it was like, you had guys, you had girls. My only, the only game match I won was against a girl. <laughs> I can't believe so, yes. like you have to wrestle. I mean, I just legitimately have questions about like, I don't want to wrestle a dude. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's my weight, it's my weight. It's my I, class. That <laughs> is Wow. I am officially uh, a little intimidated by you. <laughs> that is amazing. That is probably out of that. The, the number of times I've asked that question, that one probably wins. I, cause I would You're never, wrong. I would never have guessed that if you were like, what sport did I play in high school? I'd be like, wrestling would not have been at the top of the list. I think it's awesome. Awesome. Okay. So good. Um, what person has influenced you the most? Oh, you know, a number of people have influenced me the most, but honestly, I think my parents. Mm. And, you know, as a child, you sort of like, you want to push back against the things that your parents do. And like, I didn't want to go into entrepreneurship, but my parents, between both of them, they probably have like 10 businesses combined that wow. over the years. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that part, that, that, that piece of that DNA is in me as well. But mostly when it comes to just their love for people. Mm. And their commitment to empowering people, that's their life's work. I mean, that's what they've done and that's what they do. It's incredibly important to them to give people the tools that they need to create a life for themselves. And and here I am doing the exact same thing. So my parents. You know, and I think as a as a parent to when you get to that point in your life and you realize like the impact that your parents had on you. And it's it's the reminder I think I need as a parent of, you know young children who disagree that I with the decisions I've made as a parent to not let them watch certain things or not let them do certain things. And we are, my daughter is seven, almost eight. And so we are beginning to enter that phase where there are things that she wants to do or watch or listen to that I'm like, nope. And she's like, but my friends let me do that. And I'm just, mm. or my friend's parents do. I'm like, well, they're not in our family and we have different mm-hmm. rules. And you know, I get the, it's not fair. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and I, 
remember the other night I was having a conversation with my husband about this and I was just like, I can't believe like I'm at that point where I'm doing the exact same thing my parents did to me. Like there were so many things I wasn't allowed to do or watch Mm -hmm. or listen to or whatever as a kid that I would get so mad. But I look back and I go, oh, that was just that was their way of loving me and caring for me and protecting me and all those kinds of things. And and had the impact that my parents had on my life and how I appreciate that so much more as an adult. So to hear you also as an adult mm-hmm. and think about the impact your parents had, it is just, it was an encouragement to me as a mom <laughs> being like, hopefully I'm doing no, the right thing. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. And it makes, it's like, the, it makes the responsibility even greater too, to realize yeah. that we're shaping yes. this person's life. Yes. And so we can't take it lightly. Yeah. Pressure. Oh man. So much pressure. (laughs) So much pressure. I'm like, okay, like like real quick, let's think about this for a second. When you get your driver's license, you got to like do driver's ed, you got to do behind the wheel. You got to have your learner's permit for like a year, all this stuff. Okay. You know, policy aside, to buy a gun, you got to have like a background <laughs> check. You got to like, there's like a lot of things you got to do in order to be able to do this. We, to have a child, it's just like, oh yeah, the, the, the entry, the bar of entry is very low. Very low. <laughs> and then I remember the first, like when I had my child and I had a C-section with, with both of them, but especially my, like my first child, like I had a C-section. It was super traumatic. <sighs> I get sent home from the hospital and they're just like, okay, good luck. Here you go. <laughs> Meanwhile, I can this like barely walk. And I'm like, hey, all of a sudden I have to care for this tiny human. Keep it alive. <laughs> Seriously. Anyway. So no, good point. Good point. Seriously, saying, we, need to, we need to, we need to address this. I think this, this begs the discussion. <laughs> And let's be honest, like the free, like birthing class through your hospital or whatever. Mm-mm. No, then cut it. That's not cutting it. That's not cutting it. Anyway, all right. Sorry, uh, that was a tangent there. Okay, <laughs> okay. Um, if you had to eat the same meal for dinner every night rest of your life, what would it be? Oof, it would be. Huh, let's see, the rest of my life, probably a rice dish. I would say maybe mm. like rice and stew. So like Nigerians, like especially the Yoruba culture, which is where I'm from, we love like our, like our tomato sauce and rice. Mm. And so, cause you can make it in different ways. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I would do. Cause then I can have it like really spicy on spicy. I can put some veggies in it with my rice. So, yes. Yeah. I also <laughs> love rice. I go through a lot of rice, had rice for dinner last night in like a Asian. How could you not love rice? I know it's the best. I had it in like in an Asian, dis- it was like a sesame teriyaki uh, stir fry. Ooh. But then like Tuesday night, I made enchiladas with rice. <laughs> like, oh, you know, you just, at you. you can just put it in anything. It's the most, it's the most you had, versatile have, food. Have you had jollof rice? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh yeah. Okay. So- I don't know how much Kenyans eat jollof rice, but Nigerians and Ghanaians. So there's actually like a jollof wars, like who makes the best jollof rice. Yeah. So it's a big thing. And so I'm going to need you to try some Nigerian jollof rice yes. so that you can confirm that it's the best. Yes. Of all the there is an incredible there. restaurant near <laughs> us um, that is actually, fun fact, if you are in the Raleigh-Durham area, you need to go to Zueli's. Zueli's mm-hmm. is actually, it is the only um, Zimbabwean restaurant in the country. 
the entire country. Wow. It is the only Zimb- authentically Zimbabwean restaurant in the country. And it's right here in Durham, North Carolina, um, owned by this just incredible couple. They are just the sweetest family. They're the best. Um, but Zueli's has the most incredible oxtail with jollof rice. Mm. It is, guys... Everybody listening, drive to Durham, come to Zueli's, try their jollof rice. But that's you saying that has now like made my salivary glands be like, jollof rice bread. (laughs) So good. Sounds delicious. Jollof rice and oxtail. Mm. It's really, really good. They also have, um, oh gosh, everything on there. Okay. Anyway. I'm going off like, now I really want (laughs) Zueli's for lunch. Um, Just incredible, (laughs) incredible, small family owned restaurant here in the area. Go support them if you live in the area. Okay. Uh, Last but not least, this is the question I ask all my guests. And that is, what does it mean to you, Fasayo, to run a business with purpose? You know, this has been the most fulfilling Mm. experience of my entire life. I mean, Second to kids. Yeah. It goes without saying. Goes without saying. (laughs) Goes without saying. You know, I really see this just the honor to have an opportunity to create something that, you know, touches lives and also gives us the opportunity to change the narrative about Nigeria, Mm. to show that Nigeria is, in fact, a place where you can produce really high quality items that can have global appreciation. That for me is is a significant honor. Now, in addition to this, you know, people always say like, yeah, um, try to commend me for, for, for this work and say, oh, you know, good, good, good job for, for what you're doing. But the truth is what I get out of doing this work, the fact that I'm able to, you know, dedicate myself and my time to, to, to making a difference in, in the lives of others, that fulfillment, that joy, that that sense of purpose, it eclipses in my mind anything that I could do for Lisa Mama. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's it's just such a blessing to be able to do this. It's such a blessing in so many ways. The learnings abound. The and then obviously the fact that through this work, I'm able to put foot on the table. Families are able to put foot on their tables. They're able to put their kids in school. They're able to have that security to know that, yep, yeah, their tomorrow is assured. They know they, they'll get paid tomorrow. Like, I couldn't imagine anything else more valuable to spend my time doing. And so it's just an incredible blessing. And I'm thankful for, for, for the opportunity to do this. Mm. Fasayo, thank you so much for coming on the show. This was uh, just such a joy and a pleasure to have you. And uh, thank you for the creation of this beautiful brand, Elisa Mama. And I cannot wait to see you in all of the major stores and to see your impact to just continue to grow. (laughs) Thank you, Molly. Thank you so much. This is fun. I would love to know what you loved about this episode or if there was something that you learned. If you do, let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use the hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Another thank you to our partner of the show, Mama Suds. Don't forget to use that code Molly for 15% off and shop at mamasuds.com. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first time listener of the show, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs and business owners who are quite literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener, thank you for tuning in week in and week out and thank you for your support. 
be sure to head on over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, or basically wherever you listen to podcasts and click that subscribe or follow button to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you take a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review of the show helps me to know what you're liking and how the show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.